This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Wednesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2024. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. The longtime chief of staff to former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan has been sentenced to two and a half years in prison. Last year, Timothy Mapes was found guilty of lying to a grand jury as investigators were closing in on Madigan. Madigan's corruption trial is scheduled for October when he faces a range of charges alleging he led a criminal enterprise designed to enhance his own power and make money for his allies. Public television station WTVP must await the completion of an independent audit by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting's Inspector General before a decision is made on its annual funding request. The station's service area includes Galesburg. It receives several hundred thousand dollars in community service grant funds from the CPB each year. Meanwhile, the Peoria Police Department and Illinois Attorney General's Office are still investigating allegations of improper spending at the station under former General Manager Leslie Matusak. She resigned last fall and later committed suicide. Gun rights groups are once again asking the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn Illinois' ban on assault-style weapons. Illinois Public Radio's Mawa Iqbal reports. The High Court heard multiple appeals last year to temporarily halt enforcement of the ban, and they denied ruling on any of them. This time, the plaintiffs are requesting a full review of the case on its merits. Rick Pearson is with the Illinois State Rifle Association, one of the groups represented. He says millions of Americans own these guns, but only some will use them to commit crimes. I understand that they need to be taken away, but what's happening is authorities are sitting on their hands and not doing that. Democratic lawmakers passed the ban in the wake of the Highland Park mass shooting that left seven people dead and dozens more injured. I'm Mawa Iqbal. Lawmakers in an Iowa House subcommittee have advanced a bill that would create a new behavioral health system combining the mental health regions with disability services. Iowa Public Radio's Natalie Krebs reports. Governor Kim Reynolds' bill will combine the state's 32 different substance use and mental health regions into seven new behavioral health districts. The system would be under the Department of Health and Human Services. It would go into effect on July 1st of next year. Flora Schmidt is the executive director of the Iowa Behavioral Health Association. She says her nonprofit is concerned about the proposed timeline. Our members are, they're, they're, they've got a lot of angst right now. They just don't know what it's going to mean to their workforce, to their funding, and ultimately their ability to maintain a continuity of services over the next 18 months. No one spoke out in opposition of the bill, but some had concerns about the timeline and proposed funding structure. I'm Natalie Krebs, IPR News. A bill advancing out of an Iowa House subcommittee is aimed at supporting more full-day preschool programs across the state. Currently, a school district receives half of the regular state cost per pupil for each student in preschool. Republican Representative Henry Stone says his bill would provide full funding for the low-income students in those programs. The bill is now headed to the House Education Committee. Two bills that would enforce age restrictions online have been advanced by the Iowa House Judiciary Committee. One proposal would require social media companies to have permission from parents before allowing minors to create accounts. 
The other bill would require users to prove they're at least 18 years old before they can go on porn sites. Similar measures have passed in several other states in recent years where they have drawn First Amendment legal challenges. Both bills can now come up for debate in the Iowa House. A Democratic-backed bill to require Iowans to put a state-issued serial number on guns they manufacture themselves won't advance in the Iowa House. Iowa Public Radio's Katerina Sestarek reports a key Republican killed the bill at a subcommittee hearing yesterday. Supporters of the bill say it could help police trace so-called ghost guns that are used in crimes. Trey Jackson with March for Our Lives Iowa says he supports the bill because teens are increasingly able to build or 3D print guns. You'll see an increase of suicide among youth and an increase among homicide among youth as well. Robert Nazario of Iowa Falls opposed the bill. He says it could lead to mandatory gun registration. We know the gun grabbers want, want our guns. How many original colonists, as I've already stated, would have lined up at a public service building to receive their special markings on their firearms? Absolutely none. Republican Representative Phil Thompson of Boone killed the bill. He says setting up a framework for the state to provide serial numbers for guns terrifies him. I'm Katerina Sestarek, IPR News. A star of the original Ghostbusters and Alien movies will be one of the commencement speakers this year at Monmouth College. Sigourney Weaver will be joined on stage by her husband, Jim Simpson, who's a writer and director. They will speak on the theme of creative partnership. Simpson's sister is Monmouth College trustee and alumna Gail Simpson Owen. The college will hold its 167th commencement on May 19th. In our feature for today, Bradley University will pay a higher interest rate and need to maintain a larger financial cushion after violating the bond covenants on some $17 million worth of debt last year. Illinois Public Radio's Tim Shelley reports. WCPU obtained documents filed with the Illinois Finance Authority that said the university violated its continuing covenant agreement with PNC Bank for the year ending May 31, 2023. The specific provision breach required the university to maintain a debt surface coverage ratio of not less than 1.25 to 1, with 1 representing the minimum net operating income required to service the annual debt. Debt service coverage ratios are a measure of cash flow adequacy. Lenders typically want borrowers to finish out the year with a cushion, or just a little bit more money than what's needed to service the debt. Jim Coford, the interim chief financial officer at Bradley University, didn't sugarcoat his assessment about what happened. We're not going broke. We had a bad year, and that bad year threw off the debt service coverage ratio. It's just, um, it was a bad, you know, what can you say? It was a bad year. Students, students were down and uh, spent too much money, basically. While a covenant violation isn't considered to be as serious as missing a payment, municipal market analytics partner Matt Fabian says it's still a red flag. Universities in strong financial health don't have technical defaults. So there's clearly um, challenges that the school is trying to work through. PNC Bank could have called in the $17 million in debt immediately, but instead agreed to waive the university's bond covenant violation in exchange for new conditions to the terms. That includes an interest rate hike and a gradually increasing debt service coverage ratio. The required ratio decreases to 1.0 for the year ending this May, but will gradually increase up to 1.5 in 2026. Fabian says that's a reflection of the increased risk the lender takes on by waiving the covenant violation. 
PNC Bank declined to comment for the story, citing client confidentiality. Rushika Radhakrishnan is a credit analyst with S&P Global. She says a covenant violation isn't necessarily caused for a ratings change by itself, but rather that's determined on a case-by-case basis. She says while Bradley's covenant violation was triggered by a larger-than-expected operating deficit, PNC's default waiver and the university making its debt payments consistently are two factors weighing in the institution's favor. She also noted the management actions to control costs like the December cuts. President Stephen Standiford announced back in July of 2023 that the university was running a $13 million operational deficit and would need to slash costs by 10% to right-size spending. Those cuts fell mostly upon academic programming to the chagrin of faculty, who took an unusually public stance in announcing the moves. The Bradley chapter of the American Association of University Professors argues the cuts hurt the university's academic standing. They've also retained legal counsel regarding the cost-cutting process, which they say violated their faculty handbook. Ultimately, Standiford announced the termination of 61 positions and 15 programs were cut. Jim Cofer defends that move. He says making cuts is difficult, but Bradley is positioning itself to move into the future. It may not be popular. It may not be what you want to do. It may be a change, but you got to stick with the plan and make those necessary changes. Rushika Radhakrishnan says Bradley's overall balance sheet remains solid even through fiscal year 2023. But she says operating performance is something that they're watching closely. They have spoken to us about some financial improvement plan they have in place and the expectation that by 2026 they're expecting significant improvement. Experts say 2023 saw an unusually high number of covenant violations at higher learning institutions around the country. Analyst Matt Fabian says last year saw the most since his company first began tracking them in 2009. There's been talk in the country, right, about how the higher education providers are coming under stress, right, and that there will be problems, and that's been discussed for decades. But last year may have been the year when it actually starts. A new permanent CFO is coming on at Bradley later this year. I'm Tim Shelley. In the weather for our listening area for today, it should be sunny with a high in the mid-50s and southeasterly winds 5 to 10 miles an hour. For tonight, there's a chance of rain overnight. It should be mostly cloudy with steady temperatures in the mid-40s. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.